We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either your first or your last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Three seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Far. Lays it up for Freeman and it's incomplete. And or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they gonna roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? Rogers in trouble. It's gonna get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone! It is caught for the win! Richard Rogers! With a walk-off touchdown. The final snap of Super Bowl 45. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, your Green Bay Packers podcast, a proud partner of the Euroset Podcast Network and the Blue Wire family. I am your host, Numak. Coming to you uh, healthy after missing a pod last week and uh, with the flu. So this is your PSA to go get your flu shot because I got mine. And I don't think if I would have survived had I not had it because the flu sucks this year. So there's your upfront PSA. But joining me to talk about the ugly, ugly Packers loss to the Tampa Buccaneers is my lovely, not solo anymore, co-host, Jordan Trusky. Jordan, how are you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing uh decent let's let's change it to that just decent 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 jordan unfortunately couldn't bring his notorious bucks luck uh to lambo field today first uh, loss in person i've ever seen that there comes a time for them all right yeah exactly baker mayfield shredded that one up too baker mayfield the first quarterback in nfl history to have a perfect passer in a game at lambo field Oh, boy, did it feel like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Buccaneers beat the Packers 34-20 to um, in a game that wasn't really close the second half. Uh, no. They, they, Packers had fought in the first half to keep it close. I think it, the half ended 13-10. to uh, The Packers down getting the ball to start the second half. But then the wheels kind of just fell off there, and the 
the title card says it for those of you on YouTube, but for those of you who clicked on the episode as well, the defense was just disastrous today. Like, I tweeted it after the game, but Joe Barry has lost all of his goodwill um, that he built up from that four-game winning streak. And who he was beating, not who he was, but the types of teams the Packers are beating in part because of their outstanding defense, all that has gone away now with back-to-back losses to the uh, to the Giants and the Buccaneers, two teams the Packers should have no problem beating, um, but simply couldn't because the defense couldn't get off the field. Yes, 27% chance of the Packers to make the playoffs, according to ESPN Analytics. Um, yeah, I'm, I... It was a game that, like, it just felt... <laughs> I'm tripping over my words already. Um, it felt like any time the offense, like, got a break... And, again, there was problems with some of the offensive... Uh, there were some mistakes or whatever you want to call it. The offense was the high point of today, by far. Like, it was not even close. And... It just felt like anything they even were doing really well, it did not matter because of just how much they were getting gassed on the other side of it. Like it was a shootout type game. Didn't really expect that considering the conditions going into the game, which I, again, I was there for. I felt like this is going to be a grimy affair and both teams are slaying it, slaying it well. I mean, Baker Mayfield outperformed what he did in one game versus the Er, the two earlier games he's he's played at Lambeau by far. And it was just the way that they were like in control of it, it was it was the everything that we have come to expect from a Joe Barry defense, and we've seen this for nearly three years, three full years. And it's like all these things that they have loaded up on like we want to prevent the big play. We want to play people in pr- in front of them like they don't they desperately do not want to give those big plays up and in the process even when they're getting after Baker Mayfield for like five sacks like I was kind of surprised seeing the box score after the fact even though in the moment you're seeing them get to them yeah and even those plays like Lucas Fredness uh, I forget what quarter it was I think it was I think the third right before halftime yeah it was either right before halftime or beginning of the third they he takes Baker Mayfield down. They get pinned back with a holding penalty right after that. It's like second 29 Buccaneers immediately. The next play. Yeah. Gaining that all back, getting in field goal position to make it 13, 10. Like, it was, it was the, um, the drive, the final, the final drive before that, before halftime. Yeah. Yeah. And it was stuff like that. Like just again, all the worst elements of what we have seen from this defense under Joe Barry was all to display. Like, the the one thing that was not there was the run defense. But even then, like, Tampa Bay, like, 3.7 yards per game, or th- yards per rush, I, sh- I should say. It didn't really do it justice when, like, Rashad White was still getting largely what he was doing. Like, it, I don't know. Like, it was yeah. so, that, it was that 3. so That 3.72 is heavily brought down by negative one point. Yard 1.0 yards yep. for Devin Tompkins and Baker Mayfield. If you take out those two, they average 4.25 a carry between yep. Rashad White and Chase Edmonds. Um, Rashad White, uh, 20, 21 carries, 89 yards. 
um, on the ground, but out of the backfield, two catches for 50 yards. One of them was a touchdown. Um, just, yeah, the defense was atrocious. atrocious. You said it perfectly right that the bend and don't break defense that they've had all year and that they don't want to allow big plays didn't happen. They allowed a lot of big plays today. Um, for Rashad White, he had his longest rush was 22 yards. Like this is these are only the top six long plays because Chris Godwin had a bunch, and I don't have every big play that they had in this game. But Rashad, well, I have some numbers. I have some numbers for you. Go for it. Seven five seven point five yards per play by Buccaneers. Twelve point six yards per passing attempt. That's crazy. 16 yards per completion. That's crazy. And you mentioned it, or here's here's the doozy. Um, Baker Mayfield completed 20 of 24 passes against zone coverage for 361 passing yards and three touchdowns in today's victory over the Packers. Mayfield threw a touchdown pass to all four levels of the field for the third time in his career, the most by any quarterback since 2016. That is according to NFL Next Gen stats. Yeah, we'll get into the we'll get into the zone stuff in a minute. But um, you look at the big plays, like going off those numbers. Chris Godwin's long was twenty five. Dave Moore had a fifty two yard touchdown at the end of the game, which was a crazy no one tackling touchdown. Mike Evans long had uh, was nineteen yards, twenty six from Rashad White on a touchdown. And then Kate Otten for twenty two, like. That's just six big plays that they don't want to give up, that they give up all night long or all afternoon yep. long. It was just, it was just embarrassing, honestly. And to to get into the, the zone coverage thing you talked about, I I've been screaming it on this pod, Jordan, for I don't know how long. But it seems that everybody in the Discord, not, not spoiler, but brief interruption, join the Discord, GSP and that info. Everybody in the Discord. And people on Twitter are finally realizing that it's just like, why are they playing such soft coverage? It was third and I think four early on in the game. And uh, Chris Godwin ran a curl for or a dig route for like five yards. And it's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's just mind blowing, Jordan. And then the, the fact that I saw some Aaron Nagler, so I guess we'll get into it right away. And, like, this is what I had had in my notes. It's just that he kind of put it into a more succinct way. What's so depressing, this is from Aaron Nagler, uh, what's so depressing is watching Carrington Valentine doing a good job blanking a receiver one of the few times he was asked to get aggressive using good technique with his offhand. So it's out to turn the receiver, get the, the press break, pass breakup, and then sent back to playing milk toast zone. It's like, yeah, we see that Mike Evans too. I know. I watched the play, and then it's I, I then right back to just super soft coverage in zone, and this, these are the kind of things that just annoy me to no end when it comes to how you're scheming a defense. Right? I've talked about it all year long, but they give guys such big cushions to get out of their breaks. You can't give talented receivers like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin room to get out of their breaks. Chris Godwin had an amazing day. 10 catches, 155 yards. Like, ridiculous. ridiculous. I, I had a feeling that a Buccaneers wide receiver is going to go for 150 yards. I did not think it was Chris Godwin. Right. But you think it'd be Mike Evans, who also had a decent day, 4 catches, 57 yards. But, and a touchdown. And a touchdown. But you just can't. 
you can't give talented receivers that sort of room to work. It's it's a death sentence because if you don't get get them out of the rhythm at their break, they can just do what they want and run the route they want because they're the top level professionals at their position. They know how to either one draw a penalty or two have a an option route of where they can go based on where the defender's playing zone. And Keisha Nixon said it post game. He's like they just had the perfect call for every zone. Like they kept finding the soft spot in the zone every single play. Then Joe Barry, stop playing zone. I almost swore, but just stop playing zone. Like you can play zone sometimes, but they're exclusively playing zone, exclusively giving guys five, six, ten yards of cushion off the line of scrimmage. And it's allowing quarterbacks like Tommy DeVito, quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield, quarterbacks like Kenny Pickett to pick them apart. And like I think that's just the biggest thing is that I saw a post game that Matt LaFleur was honestly sick of the defense and like just had up to here with how they're playing. I don't blame them. Like I would be very, very shocked if Joe Barry survived the season. I'd be less shocked if he was fired tomorrow. And the Packers are not like, oh, the, the no. team. Yeah. The Packers are not the team for in-season changes is why I say that. Yeah, I, 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 there's multiple ways to go from there. But, like, for me, I would say I've, I've read the, a lot of the player reactions. I've read a lot of what LeFleur said after the fact. I did not watch these things. It's a very different experience watching these clips versus reading them. So take that for what it's worth. But being at the game and reading, seeing these things unfold live, and there was just a lot of like pre-play Rudy Ford before that big David Moore touchdown is like trying to get guys in the right position right before the ball is snapped. He is like waving his hand being like put go over there do, do, do. like it was a lot of that of just kind of one player either confused or kind of understanding where he thinks that the play is going to happen the play happens and it does not matter because it's yeah you know i mean and that was a lot of today of like we saw a lot of those these plays built to break their zone busting plays. They found like it would just pop the balloon of this soft coverage of like, boom, there you go. Boom, boom. We saw so many times where Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell both had really just nightmarish games today. In my opinion, they were either shaded one way too much or like a second late anticipating where the throw would be. And it was just classic like manipulation of, of this zone, but even on a grander scale of like, like the numbers I mentioned of the NFL next gen stats, like that is crazy. It's crazy to have that level of success. Like it's crazy, but it's not from what we have seen. Again, we're not talking about Baker Mayfield is better, a better quarterback, uh, more talented quarterback than Tommy DeVito, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter. I don't have to reiterate these things, but we all know that the thing to me that is, I get would say is the most frustrating thing about this is that we have seen this defense work 
in other ways. And yes, it's not their base defense. It's not the base strategy that Joe Barry clearly wants to call a game at this point because we have three years worth of evidence that this is how he naturally sets up the order. It's frustrating to not kind of recognize, oh, you're getting gashed in the middle of the field. These guys are getting in, even if it's low yardage spots, they're getting everything that they want based on how they're set up. Wide receiver screens. There were things that like, I think I can't remember who it said, Carrington Valentine or it was some defensive back say that there are things that the Buccaneers did today that was not on tape. It doesn't matter. It really does not matter for that to be on tape to be like, okay, we have to watch over this thing because you have to be able to adjust. It's always about adjusting your coverages. It's I feel like that is a lot more doable than with defense than there is offense because, I don't know, this is just a half-big point that I have. <laughs> but with today where it's like you're just seeing the same thing over and over and over again, that's where it's like, I, I I can't possibly fathom doing this over and over again of just like expecting something different when, you know, you're just going back to the well so many times. And it, that well is well past the point of being poisoned at this point. No, absolutely. Like it, it's definitely poisoned because it doesn't work. It hasn't worked. And I don't know. It's... It's hard to just blame it on Joe Barry, too, because, like, at some point, you just got to have guys make plays in the secondary and have guys make plays at the linebacking or linebacker position. Like, Devondre Campbell, I think, just is too slow after his injuries, unfortunately. Like, him and Quay Walker both looked bad today. Um, yeah. I I don't wish to keep seeing Devondre Campbell in coverage. He just... I, I don't like seeing the linebackers in deep coverage in the first place. I understand that that's a scheme thing between who is covering running backs out of the backfield and things like that. But it, I would, I w- just wish that there was a different way to cover that as a defense than how the Packers currently do it. Because between Preston Smith, Quay Walker, and Devonja Campbell. N- Quay Walker is like barely the most capable one of covering anybody downfield. And like, it's just hard to do for a linebacker whose job it shouldn't be to do that. And maybe I don't watch the football to say that I don't see other teams linebackers doing that, but I just don't, I feel like it gets, how how do I say this? Exaggerated a lot more when it comes to teams playing the Packers. They're always looking to get guys against the linebackers and, put that sort of scheme up for the Packers to defend against because it works. And any team with a receiving back kind of just goes into that look almost every game at some point because they know they can get good money out of it. So, uh, yeah, the the secondary today was disappointing. I don't think Eric Stokes had much much of a role. I saw him on the field a lot, but first game back you kind of take what you can take with him like, at least he stayed healthy but even then like i i think not to kind of cross your point like i was really excited to see him i was sh- shocked and surprised to see him lined up first defensive snaps he's going against mike evans he was yeah not exclusively against mike evans but on the outside if he, if he was over there that's eric stokes territory and 
I could not even really like judge how he looked based on how they were playing. They're not playing in ways that they have pressing cornerbacks between him um, and Carrington Valentine. And they're not doing those things to to utilize those skills. Right. And granted, like Stokes is a very different case because he's been through literally hell and back and all this stuff with health wise and just getting back on the field in the first place is, you know, tremendous after the many setbacks he's had just this season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, that's where like the touchdown that he, if you want to call it on him, gave up. It was, it was clear. Like even that point, it's like, it's a short yardage field. I think it was in the red zone. He has Evans. He lets go of his assignment thinking that someone's going to be behind him. No one was. And there you go. And it's like, Again, I it, it's it's just the way that they utilize the skills and talents of the players that they have available to them. And granted, who's been available to them every game has been a revolving door. Yeah, but it was just the overall just not being able to find, not even just like wanting to throw a curveball was just maddening. Just to see this team just run loose on Green Bay. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I think the biggest thing is just let the guys play football. They All that they were set to do is just cover an area of field, which I understand is a pretty basic explanation of what zone is. But this te- like these cornerbacks are good in man, I feel. Between Jair and Carrington Valentine, like Corey Valentine had a tough DPI today, but I feel like I didn't even see him be- in coverage at all when it came to... Um, when it came to just covering guys, because again, they played four snaps of man, which is, I guess, in passing situations, but it's just, it's just crazy that you, you draft these guys and that you really don't allow them to play to their strengths. Carrington Valentine, I think is going to be a, a decent corner um, with opportunity to, to be good, to be great. If he, if he so chooses and if he can up his skills that way, but you can't just trot him out in zone every time like it just doesn't work yeah. like this is what happened with jair and justin jefferson week one last year like you can't just shy away from your best players making great plays because you're afraid of a guy beating you and i understand that you don't want a single guy to beat you that you didn't uh, plan for him but you have to at least try to stop him and the the soft cushions and the the soft zone where they can just find find the hole and pick it apart. The top receivers in the NFL can do that in their sleep. And yeah. so when you're allowing them just to get it off with no, with no pressure at the line of scrimmage, it's it's easy as can be. So easy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, uh, for what it's worth, I, th- I thought the, the front, the D-line had a good day. They were getting yeah. pressure often. Like... They had a couple of big runs that they let up, like the 22-yard one from Rashad White. But other than that, like 20 carries, 80 yards isn't isn't a bad day for, for the D-line. TJ Slayton uh, had a good day. Um, he's getting really good at timing snaps, really good at timing snaps. So, it, I don't know. It's like what? Lucas Vaness had a sack. Yep. Kenny Clark, I think, got the credit for one, but Rashawn Gary was there first. Um I'm just a, a fan of how they played today, frankly. Yeah, I'm looking at Kenny Clark was credited with two, Lucas Vendez with one, Devontae Wyatt with one, Kingsley, sorry, JJ Anibari with one. With the strip yeah, sack. Like, that was the strip, strip sack one. And that that is another thing that was frustrating, both defensively and even offensively. Like, the one thing that was like, this game, okay, let, let's go back to what i was trying to say um this game could have been a lot more lopsided and the packers offense played really well i thought we'll get more into the offense as we segue from the defense but i will say it is like that gift of that strip sack being on the five like that was i mean you can't ask for a better field position in that situation nope and on a day like that today where you're you're saying all these things where uh, that's a game-changing play, the defensive line gets it after the Buccaneers offensive line, who had been relatively good all season long. Like, th- that was an outlier performance for them. You can't be mad about what they were giving you when Baker Mayfield is, like, even the throws that he was successful on, he's getting out of the pocket. He's throwing the – getting the ball out quick enough that he's not going to be taken down on the ground or disrupted by his plays. It's just like, I, it, and the frustrating thing about that is like, that didn't matter. Like this is a, such a successful day pass rushing wise. And it's the kind of things that like when the Packers get five or more sacks, sack, uh, five or more sacks of the game, you're probably thinking, Oh, that's a win. Absolutely. Every time. And it wasn't. Like, I I don't know. Again, this game could have been way worse than the final score could have been. I mean, Buccaneers could have easily scored a game or uh, a touchdown in the final two minutes and they or final whatever three minutes of the game. Yeah. And whoever Rashad was, White was gone. He he yes. he took he, he like he went down by himself, but he was gone. It could have been uh, 41 to 20 easily. Yeah. And like, again, it, you get that gift of the strip sack to score, take the lead. 
and Tampa just continues march. It would it was a blip on their whole yeah performance. It didn't affect Baker Mayfield whatsoever. No, and that to me was the most shocking thing of all. Like I just he's gotten better. He's gotten better, and credits. It's like I was very surprised coming into this game how well he has played because you just kind of look at the record, you look at quality of opponents that they played, and it's like it just felt like a transition year, and perhaps that between what he's working with and the office coordinator and all that stuff, like he just found a, the right situation for him after really bouncing around over the last what year and a half specifically. Two years, yeah. Um, but yeah, that guy just. He shredded them so easily. Yeah, and if you look at like the games that they've lost, they they've been close. Like they lost their biggest losses to the the Eagles, where they lost by fourteen, and to the Lions by fourteen. So that was week three and five. They they yep. stood at three and two, and then they go on a losing streak when they lost the Lions, lost by three to the Falcons, six to the Bills, and uh, two to the to the Texans. 13 in the Niners and then seven in the Colts. Like, and then now they're on a three-game winning streak. Um, yeah, they, they just kind of have found their groove, and they've got a good defense they've always had in the this, these last five, six years. Playmakers. Playmakers. Um, KJ Britt for them had, was really good today. He was replacing a coach's uh, decision to not play Devin White, who uh Oh, wow. Yeah. He was active all week, and... Um, practice and he was good to go for today apparently but they didn't activate him because they liked what Kevin KJ Britt was was bringing in he had uh, six tackles and a tackle for a loss but he was in on a lot more plays than it seemed like for those stats so yeah I I think you're right that this game could have been a lot uglier than it was and yeah like it, it makes me sad that the the defensive line played so well and they played like to the quality they they played as well as we want them to play all year but then the secondary just wasn't there today and the scheme just wasn't there today from joe barry and it really let down what was an awesome performance by the front four and the edge rushers and preston smith and rashawn gary and jj Barry. yeah it, yeah just rough yeah it's not great it's not great. I'm I'm ready for Joe Barry to be done. Like, goodbye, good riddance. If you're here for three, I mean, we t- so we talked about it last week. I like it. it what I think also huh, is two weeks ago we are riding high. The Packers beat the Chiefs. It, yeah, it's, that is still a, a mon- monumentous accomplishment given how this season was going. We've seen them play against, you know better teams in the NFL like the Chiefs and conquer them and not even two barely two weeks later they're so out of the playoff picture that it is the a lot of help is needed to get them back in it and then we're talking about the same things and like this is what happened this is the lot in life that the Packers have set them outside for like we had known there is problems with how Joe Barry calls a game, how he sees things, schemes things, very vanilla, very just kind of predictable at this point. We've seen this movie before. But instead, I think how we thought of last season's uh, late season surge 
and where the defense really made plays. Yes, they weren't perfect, but it was still like stuff that we had wanted to see all season long and happened in a four game stretch. This year just kind of feels like it was this three game winning streak or whatever it was middle of the season where they kind of start figuring things out. Jordan Love looks like a really good starting quarterback. And now all the things that we feared going into the year of like, well, Jordan, will Jordan Love be successful in spite of what the defense will be like? And it's like, that has all come home to roost. And that is ultimately the biggest problem with any Joe Barry kind of scenario where he, you know, after the season, because <clears throat> to me, like thinking about him getting moved on during the season, it's just not going to happen. It's not. It, we, they won't. They they did it with the most successful uh, head coach in franchise history, not named Vince Lombardi, and that was a like shocking thing. And it took a, a loss to a like one in what. I think like eleven team at that point, whatever, whatever record that uh, Cardinals, Cardinals team that was like oh, games away from horribly embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, horribly embarrassing Cardinals team. Granted, that scenario is about to happen with the Packers playing the Panthers on Christmas Eve, and yep, yeah, sure but, is. Yeah, um, no, it, I like I'm ready for honestly the entire defensive front to go. Like, I don't think there's anybody. Or the, the entire defensive side of the ball, like coaching staff, to go. I don't think there's anybody I'm really thinking about keeping because no, no position on the defense is really good enough to show that they're being coached well enough. Like I think they have I talented think... players on the defensive line, but they can't stop the run. And you have like, Jeremy Montgomery has been able to stop the run for God knows how long he's been there. Yeah, like I'm just ready for all of them to go. Maybe keep the one fella from the Cardinals that came over for the D-backs coach. I forget his name. I think it's Jerry Gray, but that's not right. Greg Williams. Greg Williams. Jerry Gray left, or am I just pulling a name out of my ass? He did leave. Okay. No, I think I think what ultimately, to me, that might be the most... It's like a good thing, but it's also a really bad thing. It's like blessing and curse. Is that we've seen strides from... We talk about Corey Valentine, uh, Carrington Valentine, these late... You know, Valentine's a rookie. Valentine was bouncing around before Gideon Green Bay, and through injury, he you know stepped up and is has been you know the starting cornerback up until today, for the last couple of weeks. Isaiah McDuffie, a late like these kind of like they're not star level players. They're not the kind of guys that you look at a uh, the you know a scouting report and be like, okay, we have to <laughs> define our game plan around them and kind of neutralize them as, as much as possible. Yet, when it comes to these star players or the guys that you expect the most out of, Jerry Alexander, I mean, there's a, other mitigating circumstances going on with that and injury, obviously. But, again, not even a factor this year. Even before he was healthy or before he got injured, he wasn't really a factor this year. Nope. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rashawn Gary is an outlier, but again, it's very feast or famine. Preston Smith, kind of increasingly disappointing season. Like the best players that we think that could really carry this team aren't being elevated by what's being done. And that to me is not, that should be examined more or whenever they start evaluating the futures of coaches and position coaches and all that stuff that should be really, really evaluated to kind of like, you have made such an investment on the defensive side of the ball under Brian Goonkoons for mm-hmm. many years now. Mm-hmm. And we're still talking about the defense the same way. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. I totally agree with you. 100%. Like that should be the biggest question out of the, out of the, the season is that he's put what, that they're Ryan Jordan. He's been there for what six years, seven mm-hmm. years. Uh, Goody, six years in Lafleur. This will be this right, is right. So, but to your point, that Goody's been there for six years and drafted defense. I believe every single pick in the first round, yep. and or except Jordan Love. I apologize. Mm-hmm. And there, it's still just a meddling defense. There's nothing really inspiring about it. There's inspiring players like you're mentioning. But with the amount of investment that ha- that they have had and the amount of scouting that they've done, it should just be a top five defense perennially, and it's not. Yeah. And so, geez, Louise, like, yeah, it. I think that's the biggest thing is that all right, we've invested all this time and effort into these players who drafted in the first round. What do we have to show for it? Who are we looking at? And I think they all should go. Frankly, that's it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the offense. Yes. Might as well, huh? <laughs> um I thought the offense was actually kind of good today. I'm I'm not sad with how the offense performed. I think they could, there could have been a lot of um a lot better choices in how the game was called. I think it's a pretty pretty stark stat that the Packers had like 50 50-ish yards or something on the first drive rushing. And the rest of the game had like 16 or something I saw on Twitter. I don't know what happened with the game plan. So much of the Packers' offense is predicated from the running game going and getting going. And I understand it's hard that you don't want to rush out Aaron Jones there for 25 carries. He had like he had 13 carries today. A lot of those are on the first drive. Eight, Which, to be specific. Eight, to be specific. And we heard from Matt LaFleur that he wasn't going to get a full workload. He was, he was going to have, like, 15, 20 carries, um, if that. Or, no, 15, 20, I think, plays at all, if I remember correctly. Touches might have been the right word. Um, But then you just don't even play Patrick Taylor or Kenyon Drake at all. Patrick Taylor had one rush for six yards. Kenyon Drake had one rush for no yards. Like, what is the point of bringing him up from the practice squad if you're not even going to use him? You know what I mean? Like, 
I, just so much of their offense is reliant on play action pass or the threat of the run. Like we've talked about this earlier on in the season and 17 carries for 60 yards is not a good effort when a lot of that's from Aaron Jones on the first drive and to go away from running the ball and just to pass, pass, pass like Jordan Love threw it almost 40 times. That's just not, not good. It's not a good mix of how you should call your offense. No, it's, it's, that's an awful balance. And like, I'm not saying it needs to be equal every game, but it should be closer than that. They should have success with running the ball before they start passing it that much. And so I think that was the thing that just made me the most angry about today's offensive game. But for what it's worth, like Jordan Love, 29 to 39, 284 yards, two touchdowns, only took two sacks. Um, He had a couple of bad throws that I thought he should have had the first fourth down on the goal line yeah he missed the missed the touchdown and then a couple more in that flat like it's a lot of it a lot of it is his footwork he isn't setting his feet and like that was the first one he was rolling away from his receiver and just let it let it sail and that is first year starter quarterback stuff like i hope that he ends up like fixing that in the offseason and that he actually learns to set his feet or learn to compensate for his body's momentum and get the throw on target. It's a hard throw. Don't get me wrong to think that throw rolling away, but maybe he don't roll away and he won't have that problem. But um, Dontavon Wicks, man, six catches, 97 yards. Like he's looking more and more like wide receiver one. And I think it might not even be an argument anymore that he is wide receiver one. Um. Yeah, again, he was really good. He got every six catches for 97 yards, seven targets. Like, he got everything that came, well, obviously, except for one. But anytime they targeted him, anytime he, it didn't matter what part of the field, what kind of route he was running, he was just stretching the field in a way. And, like, that, I think, to me, is like, Seeing this, uh, th- seeing the success that they had with him, there was multiple drives where they called his number. They could re- rely on him. They were trying to score late two of you know down what would have been thirty four twenty at that point. They're getting out on the field, and then it, that drive ended with the strip sack, and that was essentially the game. But it was Devontae or Dontavian Wicks. I'm always going to keep doing that. Devontae Wicks. Yeah, Dontavian Wicks. Well, it's because they just. I, again, they're not the they, same. They have a similar skill set. They have a similar skill set, and they they look a lot similar when they're coming out of their breaks on receptions. Yeah. Like, there's just something different between Dontavion Wicks and um, a player like Romeo Dobbs, who just doesn't run with the same purpose. Like, I I think Dontavion Wicks does a lot of good a lot of good route running to make it seem like he's going to either fly past you or run a certain route that does the opposite. Like he just runs really good routes, which is Devonte Adams calling card. Yeah. I'm curious um, as to your opinion. Cause I, I called Romero Dodds game a no show today to which I got a little pushback from list from our, from no. our dearest listeners. He had three no. catches for 30 yards and he's not an impactful player. I I don't think from from game to game, week to week, I don't think he is. I think he's a very he's a heavy heavily like 
specialized situation where if it's red zone, well, even then, recently it's not. He hasn't really been a factor in the red zone. Yeah, because there's better options. Like it's Dontavian Wicks. You know, when he's healthy and not getting <laughs> hurt mid game, he's becoming a factor in the passing game. Jaden Reed is. You mentioned Wicks being number one. Jaden Reed is just like. That guy is just so electric whenever he touches the ball. Tucker Craft, I called. I'm not, I'm going to be a little boastful here. So I'm in motion right before his touchdown. I was like, this is a Tucker Craft touchdown. Immediately bowls through the guy after setting like this kind of like fake screen. Yeah. Bowls through, gets the touchdown. I really like Tucker Craft. I'm all in. I think he's going to be better than Luke Musgrave, but they're both on the same team, so I don't care who's better or who's not. Um, there's just these... Other options are really just. I think the biggest problem for Romeo Dobbs is that their guys getting they're getting better by the week, right? And he's not doing anything to prove himself. No. Is, is like my thing. Like the the pushback that um, Tommy and John does gave he me. does and he I, and do? I, and I, I want to like they they make a good point is that the two receptions because Romeo Dobbs got a catch on the first drive for like seven yards, and that was yeah. that was the last I saw of him, like. Cognit- cognizantly the entire game but he had two other catches that went for first downs that kept drives going and that's valuable but for a guy like Roman Dobbs who has the talent set and like the ball catching ability that he has in certain spots like you see Romeo Dobbs make amazing catches at the apex of his jump in the end zone and it's just it's just an amazing catch right and it's really really awesome to see but then you see him double catch balls so often. What was it? Was that last week or two weeks ago that he double caught a ball that was a touchdown? I think that was last week, wasn't it? I think it was. Or Let me whenever it whenever it was. He double catches balls often in places where you just need to have solid hands. And he's not a good runner. Like Paul Brettel has wrote that article way way long ago, which seems like forever ago now, back in the early season that Roman Dobbs' season is being inflated by by uh by touchdown numbers, but I just think it's disappointing to see the the roller coaster of a season that he can have at some points, even from week to week. Cause some weeks he'll have a really good game. Like what was that earlier in the season? He had like ninety seven yards for a game or something, or eighty, uh, 80 yards. Granted it was the Lions game. The first one? Yes. Right. But still, like, he has the ability, if he's catching balls, to really get get yards and get touchdowns. And sometimes it's just, I want him to be more incorporated into the offense. But if these other guys are going to pass, pass him by like this, I don't know what his role really is going to be. Because at this point, if Christian Watson is healthy, it's Watson, Wicks, Reed are my top three for sure. Yep. And then, then you'll have you have the two tight ends, right? And then whoever's coming out of the backfield, and then at, I mean, pfft, I it, it's just, it's just disappointing. Like, is all I'm I think, say. I, I wish he would have developed me, further than what he came from last year, and the development has not been there this year. I think for me, it's it's like what does he do that is so starkly different than the other guys that isn't duplicated? Yeah, absolutely. He he's he's duplicative, duplicative. I I know I pronounced that word wrong. I apologize. To every other receiver, 
especially Wix and Heath. They both do the same sort of thing. And so, I don't know. I, I just wish after the year he had last year before his injury that he would have like continued to develop on that and do better. He just hasn't. Like The rut running isn't there. The solid pass catching isn't there. The double catching of balls has been problematic, but it's just it's just disappointing. And 52, 52 catches for 84 targets this year. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> like that's that's really not good. Yeah. And so I don't know. It it's just I want him to be good because I like Romeo Dobbs. I like what he can but this bring. This is this is. Uh, this is a game I, where he could have been used. Yes, I think this is also like we're very this we're in the ground stage. This is this is the first full year of a rebuild. Yeah, if we're being honest. But the thing that will increasingly come up is that the more that you load in on these draft classes and the more picks that you have, it's not going to be long until we're talking about people that get squeezed out. Mm-hmm. And there's it, only there's only eleven players that you can play on the field at a given time. Yep. And if people usurp them based on talent, based on being healthy, like I I, I feel like that is the area in which we are, we might be facing with Romeo Dobbs. It's very early. I can understand people pushing back against his opinion, but he just does not change the game in a very real way to me. That just feels like. Everything else is very palpable. It's very palpable when Jaden Reed hits catches catches in someone that has his own problem with you know catch radius and hands and everything like that. The touchdown they had today was stupendous. It was a great throw. It was made even better by Jaden Reed being able to put two feet down and catch a ball within this. He could not be if he took one little more step, he would be out of bounds. It was a dart and a, it was a, a beautiful catch with an even better, or a beautiful throw with even better catch. Yes. And you see that. You see Dontavian Wicks, who, again, when healthy, guy makes plays, and they're re- really incorporating that into the passing game. Tucker Craft is emerging as a really good tight end, and Luke Busgrave, you know, has a, is more raw, raw, yeah, in that regard, but we have seen flashes of him being a, a very useful target in that point. And it's like there's only so much you can get the ball around. You know what I mean? Like that's the that's part of the way where we are going with this kind of squeezing out elements. I I will just kind of profit, not profit as in I'll re- be rewarded. I'm just saying, watch out for the next couple of years of these things. Prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Exactly. <laughs> um, from Aaron Nagler, Jane Reed sits at 54 receptions on the season, which is one away from tying, tying Sterling Sharp's franchise record for most receptions during a rookie season. Which I think Luke Musgrave was on pace to break earlier for yardage from Sterling. That, that he lacerated his kidney. Yeah, then it was like, I'm fine, coach, put back in. Craps almost duplicated that same injury. No, he got hit in the nuts, dude. That was he did get hit in the nuts. He got hit the by nuts. the ball. By yeah. The ball. Oh. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I. Just a frustrate. 
And then again, this is like going against what I had said earlier that I liked the game that the offense played. Like I think everyone who played played well. I just think that there was a lot of stuff to be desired when it came to like how they played, the um the plays they called and just there was food left on the table that could have been you eaten know, up for points. Do you know what the biggest problem that I had today with that? I'd love to know. Again, I had the benefit of seeing this game. I'm not going to brag because I saw... I'm not going to swear. Crappy ass. I just swore. Crappy loss. The problem that happened a lot, and I'm... I hope someone in the Packers sphere validates my opinion here. There would be big plays, big spots where they have to get a third down and long. They oh. have to get – and guess who's not – their best players today were not out on the field. Like, Dontavion Wicks was out for, like, multiple plays, and then it's like, oh, we're looking at fourth down on that final drive that, like, actually mattered for them. Tucker Kraft is out for, like – I mean, in part because he's got to hit the nuts – for a meaningful play. Like it was stuff like that where it's like they draw up these plays and it's like, who are they? Who did they think they were going to throw it to? Yeah. Because you got Ben Sims going like, yep. He's a, he's a football player. He's infinitely more talented than me, but throwing to Ben Sims or throwing to Bo Melton in very crucial spots is like, that is not no. And yes, you were expected to think that these guys can step up and do their job. No, these are replacement level players. Like that is ultimately what it is. Yep. And throwing those to those guys in those spots was like ah, like I was just like just going crazy. I'm like, why? Why are we throwing a throw that should be thrown to Tucker Craft when Tucker Craft is not on the field? Like yep. it was just I don't know. I think my biggest issue in like I guess running trend that the the Packers are having a problem doing is that they consistently, in spots where they need to get a first down, keep throwing the ball short of the sticks. Yes. Like, Tucker Craft, I think it was early in the the um, the um first... early in the first quarter when they needed a, a third down, um, mm-hmm. caught a ball short of the sticks and got a first down. Like, they just need to stop running plays on needed downs short of the sticks, especially in short yard situations. Like, third and four, and you're running, throwing a pass behind the line of scrimmage, you can't be doing it. You're just not going to be allowed to do it in nine times out of ten in the NFL. And so, it's just something they need to, to get away from. Like, I understand it works once in a while. Like, I'm not saying you need to throw past the sticks every single time, but in a, in a season where we've seen so many of those plays where you need to have it, and it, the pass goes behind the line of scrimmage or yep. behind the sticks, and it doesn't get there, it's just frustrating to see in Week 15 that they're still doing it. Like the two-point conversion against the Giants last week, a touch pass to Jaden Reed. Like you should be throwing in the end zone on, uh. on a two-point conversion. And when it's third down on your opening drive and you and you need that third down conversion to keep the drive going, you should be throwing past the sticks so that you have the best chance to get the first down, even if it's over the middle. Like, I don't care who it's to or where it is. So long as that, if you have, you give the wide receiver an opportunity to to catch the ball with the first down, like there's something to be said 
about about that and about as, as like play calling in general. Yeah. I also I'm not like saying it's desperate, but the I feel like the some of the the play design today from the Buccaneers left a lot to be desired from like the Matt LaFleur play design stuff. Maybe it's because we see it every week and it's not so fresh it's to us anymore. Lot, what do you mean? The play where they had um Jaden I shouldn't say Jaden I thought about it with Jaden Reed and Aaron Jones. They had some receiver in the backfield with Rashad White. And they were like on both sides of Baker Mayfield. This is the Rashad White touchdown catch. And the receiver went from left of Baker Mayfield in motion behind Baker Mayfield and swung out like he was gonna catch a swing pass in the flat. Rashad White on snap runs the wheel route up the seam of the middle of the field, catches a touchdown. Yep. At whatever. I feel like we have not seen that whatsoever from the Packers where they would use Jaden Reed like that, where they would have him run something out there like in, in the flat, like they're going to swing it to him and then have AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones up the middle in the, in the on a wheel route like that. Maybe they have, and it just wasn't open, but that was a, a great play design. I'm sick of the play that they've, they found money with once where they, where they, uh, fake it to one side and fake it to the other side and throw it to the middle. They ran that play again today. That didn't work. Like, again, that's a that's a once or twice a year play, and I feel like they run it every other week or weekly, if not. What we didn't see this week was Jaden retouch pass, which was, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like, I'm very happy not to see that, because you just can't be running it all the time. It's not good offense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, run it once or twice. Other over the week, but it's it's not good offense to run it six, seven times a game like that against the Giants. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't me. good. Your boy though. Andres Carlson. You did well today. We might be talking Jesus. Might be talking Jesus. Gotta give him somebody, right? Gotta get well, yeah, I mean, there's some cheese. I'm looking at a few people. Yeah. You're uh tasting. Looking. <laughs> um. All right, Jordan. Anything else you talk about? Um. Actually, let's do. So. We might as well. We gotta look ahead. All right. <laughs> Panthers, Vikings, Bears. Do the Packers make the playoffs? No. I don't think they do. I think they need a lot of help, and that they needed to win these. They needed to win against the Giants, which is an easy game. And the Buccaneers was definitely a game they should have won. And I I just don't think there's frankly a reality where they where they uh they win because they play in Minnesota, which is a horrible place the Packers have to play. On New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve, like it is currently the Sunday night football game. I'm I'm sure it'll be fine. But um I'm just saying. They'll probably get flexed out, frankly. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think the Packers would have to have a more realistic playoff chance for it to not to get flexed out. Yeah. I think if they both lose next week, or if the Vikings lose next week, they probably get gets flexed out. But either way, no. I, I just don't think they could win their last three games and get in. But I'm not optimistic that they can, they can beat the Vikings even with Nick Mullins or Josh Jobs, whoever throwing the football. I was going to say, do you know who might be the most stable team that they face left? The Bears. 
the Bears. Yeah, the Bears are already thinking about the Packers. So I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, they are. I have. Um, okay. I guess what Sorry. do you what what do you think? Do you think that they're gonna they're gonna make it? No, I think they I think they're they're toast. Honestly, they are, go ahead. I think they are more um, able to crack into the top ten of the draft order than make the playoffs. Yeah, they're currently eleventh. I don't think they went out for sure. No, yeah, that's what. Yeah, oh man, yeah. Um. Yes. I'm not saying that it's the preferred outcome because, like, obviously the preferred outcome is making the playoffs to get this team like some real winning experience as they continue to develop as a very young team. But getting Joe Barry up out of here getting hopefully the rest of the defensive coaches up out of here and then still landing like a top 10 pick. I'm not saying it's an ideal outcome for the, uh, for the season. Yeah. But in a year where you're, you're like you said, the first year of rebuild it's 2008, like Brock and the Discord keeps saying, I, I'm very, very thankful that of his, uh, what's the word comparison for that. Yeah. Listen, people, I'm I'm still on flu brain here. Give me give me a break. Um that if next year's two thousand nine and they make a push towards the playoffs and barely miss it, or make the playoffs and do whatever, like I'm fine with that, honestly, because that I think this team has a lot of talent on offense and Jordan Love continues to develop and he's already passed all of his season marks for yards and touchdowns. Like Jordan Love has played a very good season. You you cannot you cannot deny that, yep. and I think what just needs to be figured out now from Jordan Love is the finer things, the the footwork, the the passing motion, like just get the hitches out of his his uh his throwing motion, and just figure out defense, because if they can figure out defense, I think this that goes a lot a lot further this season than if they would make the playoffs. Like, I think they make the playoffs. It's Joe Barry keeps his job, which isn't an ideal situation, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a, it's a lesser of two evils kind of thing. Even yes. though it's not the total scenario, like make the playoffs, not make the playoffs kind of thing. But if there is John said in the discord, it's promising. It's promising. Right. It's not great. Cause you want the playoffs, but it's promising. You still have to find the hmm. D coordinator that will do a good, good job. You still have to hopefully not have a too long of a lead time of that coordinator actually being able to implement changes, but it's a promising outlook to have a top 10 pick and a new D coordinator and system going into next year with this offense. Yes, 100%. This, yeah. Whether we see these changes happen, well, we'll have multiple reaction pods or offseason pods to actually dive into that. Yeah. All right, folks, that does it for us. Uh, thank you all for listening once again. A couple of promos we got out of the way. Um, go check out the Bucks uh, feed to hear Jordan and Adam's 400th episode of Winning Sex. Little claps. Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Um, they talked about a, a ring of honor or, or a wall of fame. What was the, the term that you guys had used for that? We've, we settled with ring of honor. We right. can always workshop that too. 
for uh, mm-hmm. for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I guess did you guys say an inspiration for that or no? Um, it was the inspired by the Bulls, who are introducing a Ring of Honor, I believe, next month. And we were like, hey, might as well do this with the Bucks because they're not going to actually do it. Nope, but they're not. Let's do it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, go check out that. Go check out Tiny Rohan on Eurostep to go see their uh, their game reviews and everything else. Uh, Bucks, I think, did end up winning. They yes, just they beat did. the Rockets. Just beat the Rockets, 120-119. So they'll probably have a, a preview pod or a post-game pod for you uh, earlier this week. Possibly tomorrow or today. You're listening to this, listening to this on Monday. Um, so yeah, go check, check out the Bucks feed for all things Bucks, Giannis, Dame, Chris, Brooke, all the guys and things like that. Uh, check out Adam and Andrew on cruising for a bruising as they go through the Brewers offseason, any sort of moves they make, um, including Jackson Churio and Wade Miley. Um, also check out Adam and Andrew on make time for this as they talk all things movies, pop culture, and things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of what their last episode was. Still Albert, still the comedic genius of Albert Brooks. So, go check that out. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back in your feed sometime this week for the preview of the Panthers game before Christmas. And that'll be that. So, alright folks, thanks again. And Jordan, thank you. Thank you.